This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Happy New Year, everybody. Brendan Tobin down in Miami. Sean Levine in Kansas City. We got people helping us out all over the country and you joining us right now on the BetQL Network. So I know it's the first calendar day of the year. But I think this could be one of the best years that the UFC has ever seen. I think there's going to be titles change hands, maybe not in every single division, but I would say more often than not, what's going to happen with TJ Dillashaw is going to be interesting. What's going to happen with Colby is going to be interesting. What's going to happen with Amanda Nunez? There's a million questions. So BT down there in Miami, if you happen to have your magic eight ball, get it out now and shake it up a little bit for me because I found some future bets online when it comes to the octagon. I'm going to give you the bet, and I want you to tell me if you would bet it or forget it. Like, the bantamweight numbers for Piotr Jan to have the belt at the end of the year are one to two, essentially. So you got to put down double your money. You're going to get back half. That's how sure Vegas is that he's going to have the belt because, damn it, he's 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 going to have the belt at the end of 2022, right? Right. Um, no, I would forget that. Like, honestly, really? that's it's one of the most stacked divisions, dude. It's so good. And I just feel like, yes, he's looked like the Terminator and everybody gets to him early. You know, you start fast against Pewter and then all of a sudden by rounds three through five, he's destroying you. That's kind of been the MO every time he goes in there. Um, But when you have these slow starts and you do have those opportunities, like I feel like, yes, someone's going to get to him. I feel like, you know, I'm not just going to rule out Corey Sandhagen and all of a sudden say, hey, dude's chances are gone. The thing that's also interesting is the Henry Cejudo element. Like, is he really gone? Like, is he is is this going to be the year where Triple C returns? And then all of a sudden, we're just going to say that, you know, Henry Cejudo, who is reigning over that division, he can't come back and go get what was his. So I just think that's too stacked a division to come through. You know, it's not one of these where, like, yeah, I don't see a lot of contenders come through. Like, yeah, I could see Aljamain Sterling correcting some things and having and, and figuring out and having a better fight against him. I could see TJ Dillashaw, like you said, coming on and having a year. I could see Jose Aldo having a better performance against him. Wow. I just think I just think it's too stacked a division for me to feel good about Pierre de Jan being the champ when it's all said and done this time next year. There's a difference between a division being stacked, which I agree, this one definitely is BT, but also it's top heavy because it has Piotr Jan essentially at the top. Well, I get it. Technically, he's not at the top right now, but that's where he will be when he takes the belt back from Aljamain. You mentioned TJ Dillashaw real quick. You can get him at eight to one. That's kind of juicy, right? Like, that's kind of fun. It is. It definitely is. It, it, that, I mean, that's fun. I think the idea of Cejudo come back at 10 to one, I think is juicy. Hell, if Sean O'Malley has another. You know, crazy knockout, and people are going to be start calling. It would be nuts to think by this time in December, Sean O'Malley 
versus Jan for the championship. And you got him at 25 to one to start the year. Just, eh, just let's, it's I mean, it, it, the UFC. If, if they're going to put him in there with one contender, don't think they're going to be crazy enough to say, okay, we did the Aljo Jan thing. Jan's still the champ. We want to put uh, the rocket on Sean O'Malley's back. Let's go championship fight. Why would they slow roll O'Malley the entire way? Let him fight unranked fighters. And then we're talking about within the next 364 days, he'd be fighting for the belt. You really think that the UFC would do that? Cause he's done enough slow, enough slow roll. Like he he's, he's here. He's going to have, I guess the con I would, I'm putting in this one, have it the contract that he's happy with. So he'll take on all comers, the contenders that he wants. And then it's time. All right. We've done the cute thing where you've gotten to take on your unranked guys. Now you go through the buzzsaw and you try and you try and win the belt. Here's a real fun one that Jake, our producer, pointed out to me a couple of minutes ago. You can get John Jones at the end of the calendar year, end of 2022, at about plus 650 to be the heavyweight champ. If you want to just put it out there and then John comes back, you know that he's going to get a chance probably right away. That feels like a live wire to me. I would love, yeah. I mean, you're, you're saying, oh, I'm going to get plus money on the best fighter to ever do it as long plus as 650. He, yeah. Big plus yeah, money. I feel like, I feel like that's, that's definitely solid to throw down on because you know, first of all, if you want, you know, this first heavyweight fight, if he wants to, they'll put him in for the championship. I don't know if John will want to maybe John, you know, John seems like he's been a little bit methodical about this move to heavyweight, but he's going to get his title shot. And you're telling me, I just said, Hey, here you go. You have Cyril Ganu, who you've known for three seconds, and you have Francis Ngannou, who you've seen be vulnerable against well-rounded guys before, and you have the guy who's maybe the best well-rounded fighter to ever do it. Um, yeah, you're getting him with 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 cage rust. You know, yeah, he's going up to a new weight class, but come on, he's the best you've ever seen do it. Maybe you've seen him look a little bit more vulnerable, but I'm getting all that at plus six fifty. All right. Do you think the winner of Gan and Ganu coming up? What is that in February? is going to end up calling out John? Because, like, you got to say somebody's name at the end of that. Is John's the name? Is that, is that who we hear? I don't know if they're the call-out type of guys. Like, I feel Fair. like, I, I especially gone, like, do you hear him say anything? You know, no. is he, but, but but maybe Francis, if he's feeling froggy. I think, look, we've been wanting this. Francis has been talking about this. He wants this paid like it's a Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder type salary. That's kind of where all this drama with him in the UFC comes from. Now, Dana White seems like it's kind of smoothing out a little bit between them. So maybe it's not as much of a distraction for him. I feel like if I if if either one of them were to do it, Francis would be more likely to do it more than gone. You know, the long shot that I love, and I think I've got a man crush on this guy, Tom Aspinall at 16 to really? one to have the belt wrapped around his waist. I love I think that As I don't know why more people don't talk about him. I think the guy's an absolute beast. Actually, I know why people don't talk about him, BT, because he talks down on himself because he's self-deprecating, but he's a great fighter. And to me, it feels like he's maybe a couple of fights away, but if we're talking about three fights in the calendar year, I think he could be fighting for the belt at the end of this thing. You're going to give me 16 to 1 on Aspinall? I'll put a couple of bucks down on that. Yeah, I'm also surprised to see how like the lot the odds are kind of close for Curtis Blades. Like I kind of feel like Curtis Blades, every time he's gotten to the top, uh we've seen like he's just not quite there i think he's a fine fighter he's really really good but i wouldn't trust the idea of any of, of throwing money on him to be champ by the end especially francis is the guy we've seen how that's gone a couple of times a guy that had an unbelievable year in 2021 and maybe was involved in the fight against Dominic Reyes in the fight of the year, you could argue, is Yuri Prohaska. Yes. Yuri Prohaska's odds of having a 205-pound strap at the end of the year are 2-1. to one. And to me, that's probably getting too much for your money. Like, that should be even money. I think Yuri Prohaska is probably, no pun intended, the next big thing 
in that weight class. I think it's almost a sure thing. Yeah, it's a weight class that needs an expect thing too, right? Like I love the story of Glover being the champ and Jan Blahovich. The old it's kind of been ever since John left the old timers division getting their shine. But like Prohashka, Rakic, like I want to see which one of these guys is going to be the the guy who comes out on top and be that. I think both of them are pretty solid at that point. I think they're both really really talented dudes. But I want to see Prohashka be the the champ at the end of this thing because he's just a weirdo. He does the he, he's got the the thing with the hair, you know, the the weird hair thing. And he does like the no look like he's nuke Lelouch out there in the cage. Like, <laughs> I, I, I just think like he, he's he, he's he is uh, he'd be so great to be like the 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 true heir apparent to John Jones, a guy you could really maybe hold the division for a little bit. I like that, too. I'm not I'm not against that. What's holding that hair in, by the way? I don't know. That's like. It's too thick. That's like that's almost like Derrick Henry style hair. Like that takes more. It almost looks like a piece of bamboo's holding that thing in, and glue perhaps. Very impressive. It's very I'm impressive. Jealous of it. I really am. Uh, not great hair, but definitely great facial hair. Hamzad Shemaev, definitely the UFC's. Um, it feels like if the UFC could push one guy and it actually ends up succeeding. They want it to be Hamzad. I can't ever remember Dana White. Besides Conor McGregor, I can't remember Dana saying so many nice things about one guy, especially so early on in his career. I mean, he's only got a handful of fights underneath his belt. We've only known who Hamzad is as far as UFC goes for less than two years now, and it looks like he's about to get his chance. According to the numbers, he's 5-1 to one to have that welterweight strap at the end of 2022. Listen, we're talking about a guy that has about five fights in the promotion and he's five to one to have the welterweight strap how much of that is how good he is and how much of that is how much dana white wants him to end up with that belt see that that's crazy isn't it wild though like you look at a guy like it, i just wonder what's going through the odds makers heads when it's going to Hamza being five to one where sean o'malley is 25 to one like because right? to me they're both in the kind of the same area aren't they like they would both want them to be pushed and i feel like this is a this is a stack division as well as far as like Luke Gay and Edwards. Now, I don't I understand why people want to have faith in Edwards beating Kamaro, like he's lost to him already. So I understand why, you know, maybe maybe it's just a case of, hey, if I have to believe in somebody to overthrow Kamaro, Hamzet's the guy. Well, there is a problem. Let me cut you off right there. The problem is that if Edwards keeps winning, it doesn't matter because Edwards has been winning a lot for years. Yeah. And if Hamzad just gets out of bed, he's gonna get that title shot. That's the difference. Right. No, it's yeah. Like nobody's excited about a Leon Edwards title shot, uh, especially against the guy that he's lost against the guy who's already beaten him. It's just it is what it is. I feel bad for Leon. You know, like he seems like a genuinely nice dude, and you know, it's it's a tough that he's more known for getting punched by Jorge Masvidal in an interview than he is for any of his fight career. But that just is what it is. I, I think the one that I actually look at as the best value right now is Luke. Like I think Luke. He brings a, a little bit of a different dynamic to Kamara now. Kamara's been able to handle every single style, but. You know, maybe he catches him with something wild. Maybe he gets him in some kind of submission hole that he's not used to. I think a lot of the things that you liked about maybe Gilbert Burns taking on, but maybe at a little bit higher level, maybe a little bit younger, a little bit, uh, you know, he brings some of the, that dynamic to it. So I would like that more so than Hamza. I just feel like that to think the Hamza train is going to get to the end of this and he's got the gold at that price. Not buying it yet. In my opinion, the division that has the most contenders that actually could have the belt at the end of 2022. We're having fun with this guy and that guy and this guy. I really think in the lightweight division, there's probably five different guys. Oliveira, Islam, Benil Daryush, Justin Gaethje. Let's see what happens with Poirier. There's so many different guys. 
Oliveira's chances are two to one. It kind of feels like the public is finally starting to buy into Du Bronx. It took a while, yeah. but now we're finally here. Look, I mean, you know, we we both picked Poirier that night. We both thought that uh, that uh, that Du Bronx was going to get beat. Um, but I, he made a believer out of me, man. Look, you beat Dustin Poirier the way that he did. You beat Michael Chandler the way that he did. You go on this kind of a win streak. He's undeniable at this point. Um, but unfortunately, he's in the murderer's row division. It always feels like this is the most stacked division. And, you know, I think that's probably why everybody – there's no real lopsided number that you look at with these top contenders, and it's like Gage is 4-1, to Daryush is 4-1, to Makachev's 3-1. to Like, people know, like, hey, anybody can kind of come out of this thing and be the guy by the end of it. Where would you put your money? If it's not, if it's not Charlie Olives, where would you put your money? I got to put it on Daryush. I, but he's looked so good recently, and it looks like if he wins, he's finally going to get a shot. Like, I think I think it'd be Daryush because his problem in the past is he's had to stack up enough fights. But now, as long as he wins, he's there. I think it's Benil Daryush if I get him at 4-1. to one. I'll go at his uh, his opponent. I'll go Makachev. I think uh, we'll find out because they're going to fight each other, but, uh, but I'll, I'll go with Makachev. Speaking of the UFC, UFC 270 is right around the corner coming up on January 22nd. We got a fight night coming up the week before that. We're going to break it all down next right here. You got tapped out on the BetQL Network.